Thank you so much, Apoor, for taking Thank your you, time Sabrina. and spending some time with me this wonderful morning. First things first, what does entrepreneurship mean to you? So entrepreneurship for me is having the courage uh, to back an idea. Okay. It could be your idea, it could be somebody else's idea, that doesn't matter. You might not even be the first on that idea, mm -hmm. even that doesn't matter. But having the courage to go ahead, back an idea and see it through. Right. Uh, it's a lot of people think there is a blueprint for entrepreneurship and you start and you have all the answers. The way I like to think of it is you're jumping off a plane and building a parachute on the way down. Right. You will never have all the answers. Right. So how has this become a buzzword? I think when we were growing up, I saw my aunts and uncles and family, they all had small businesses and suddenly there's this buzzword about startup and all of that. Entrepreneurship. How, how, yeah. How did that come about? So a couple of things. Uh, if you go back 10, 20 years ago, the cost of capital was very high. Okay. Uh, the resources required to start a company were prohibitive. Okay. You had to set up a factory, internet wasn't very prevalent. I think what has really happened is people have realized that often you can set up a business very frugally. Mm -hmm. You can start out of a Chayos or a Starbucks. Right. You can register a domain name for 200 rupees. Correct. Uh, the cost of starting a business has really crashed. Mm -hmm. So the cost of failure has gone down. Okay. Also, okay. the tolerance for failure is going up every next year. All right. And you see a lot of people talking about failure resumes. Right, right. And uh, that's the new swan. Yeah. In right. fact, yesterday we met up with Ankur and he floated a failure resume in terms of the number of times that he has failed Absolutely. and finally been where wherever Absolutely. he is. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So you mentioned the idea, the courage to back an idea. You as an investor, what do you look for in an idea? So I look at three things uh, when I'm thinking about an idea. Uh, is there a product market fit? Okay. So an idea by itself is not enough. Okay. Uh, is there a product market fit? Is the size of the problem the idea is solving large enough? Right. Uh, there is no use putting extraordinary talent behind a small idea. Okay. That doesn't excite me. It's required. A lot of people do it. But that's, that's not what personally excites me. Okay. And finally, what is the quality of the team? Okay. Because your product, service, your business idea will keep evolving. Right. Right. You will keep getting new challenges. Right. But if you have a very high quality team, hmm. that's what gets you there. So team is extremely important. Extremely important. As as and okay. I personally don't look at a single founder company. Right. For me, that's a strict no-no. Right. Do you think it's important for the DNA of an idea to have a certain kind of impact? I'm not talking about the idea to have social impact or gender equitable and things like that, but the very value system, because the kind of role models that we're creating, I, I think somewhere down the line, they're, they're, they're not really the right kind of role models that we should have for our children. Absolutely. You've asked an age-old question, value creation versus creating value. Correct. A lot of startups in India are uh, basically selling stuff on internet. That's right. Putting it very crudely, that's their Correct. business model. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree with you whether it's uh, you know generating employment which is much needed in India hmm. so that we don't increase the divide between haves and have-nots. Right. Or solving core problems in the economy. Right. There are massive opportunities in India today. Right. The government is very proactive, uh, some fantastic schemes. Uh, there's a lot of openness and vibrancy in the economy. Right. So are entrepreneurs really taking advantage of that, becoming role models? And according to me, a role model is someone who at the cost of uh, personal loss. Right. Or shows a lot of personal sacrifice to back that idea and take it through. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't see much of that because as far as the raising of capital and monies are concerned, that works very well as far as the founders are concerned. But when the going gets tough, I think the pink slips are handed out. I think 
I think to be very candid, I don't think per se there is anything wrong in giving a pink slip. Okay. Because the business will go through ups and downs. Sure. And you can't bet the business and many people who depend on it right. for few people. Right. There is nothing wrong. I think it should be done very humanly. Okay. You should offer outplacement services. Mm -hmm. uh, you should give as much as lead time as you can. Mm -hmm. uh, and you should do it with a human heart. Right. I okay. think that's more important. Mm. And. Uh, also, you should not be whimsical about these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, some of the horror stories which you hear yeah. have happened because of poor management. Right. Because of uh, inefficient cash burn rates. Right. No clear path to profitability. Sure. That should be avoided. So, according to you, what would be the three dysfunctions of a team for any setup to go wrong? I think the first is lack of trust. Okay. Uh, often, you will not have time to align people. Okay. Uh, in a larger enterprise, in right. an 8, 10, 20 billion dollar enterprise, Correct. you have many people and a lot of time often to align people. Okay. Uh, in startup entrepreneurship, often you will not have time to align people and you will be taking decisions. Okay. Uh, do your co-founders, investors and people trust you? So right. the first dysfunction is lack of trust. Lack of trust. Right. And how do you build trust which allows you to take decisions and speed? Okay. It's okay, you will get some decisions wrong. Mm -hmm. but. Were they taken with a good intent? Did mm -hmm. they have solid assumptions? Mm -hmm. The second is fear of conflict. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of people think it is uh, very, very important not to get into conflict situations. Right. To be very consensus driven. Right. Uh, for all the meetings to be very pleasant. Mm. And this fear of conflict often leads to suboptimal decisions. Okay. So lack of trust and fear of conflict. Yes. And the third one? Third one according to me is lack of commitment. Okay. Often what happens is uh, when you raise a lot of funding or you see early success, hmm. some people start mentally checking out. Right. They think the journey is almost done. Right. We've raised funding, we've raised a hundred million dollars sure. or 20, 25 million dollars and hmm. the journey is almost done. Right. Um, and the commitment levels dip. Hmm. I've met founders, uh, including in VC-backed fundies, mm -hmm. who have said that, you know, I'm happy growing at 20% now. We've raised funding. Hmm. It's good. 20% is good enough. Hmm. Uh, the delta keeps becoming smaller. Hmm. Hmm. The appetite keeps becoming smaller. So that commitment hmm. and employees can sense it. Hmm. Like animals can sense fear, right. employees can sense a lack of commitment. Going just by statistics, it's easier for ventures or startups to get their Series A funding going as far as angel investors are concerned and all of that. But when they come to a certain second level, it becomes all the more difficult. What do VCs look for at that level? I think what is really required is whatever money have you've raised in the past. Right. Have you used it efficiently? Mm -hmm. The second is, uh, have you really, really created exponential traction using that money? Okay. okay. And third is, do you have continuity in the winning team? Mm -hmm. At least that's what I think we should look at. You raise money pre-seed stage, then you raised it at a seed stage, then right. you raised pre-series A, right. then you raised series A, and now you are at a series B. Correct. So you've already done between two to four rounds of funding. Right. Micro funding, a little more macro, series mm. A. Mm. Very, very important to show VCs that you've used the funding efficiently. Okay. Second, very important to show you've created exponential traction, non-linear traction using the money. Okay. And third is you still have that winning team which will take it ahead. Excellent. All right. So, um, in various stages, series A, series B and whatever, pre-seed and seed yeah. and all of that, what would you look for? Growth? or profitability? A lot of people think it's either or. And they think the only way to grow is not be profitable. Mm -hmm. I think it's a false conundrum. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, I'm a Marwadi, so the only thing which I understand is making money. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you can have lower levels of profit, uh, but I think the focus should be on profitable growth. Okay, so scalability for you is extremely extremely important, important uh, but not at the cost of profits. Okay. Hmm. If you actually think of it, cancer is also kind of growth. Right. So all kinds of growth are not good. Right. You have to be profitable. There could be years where you're spending more on SGNA, hmm. on acquiring customers, hmm. where your profitability levels are a little lower. Hmm. But I think it's important to remain in the black. So if you were to map or uh, compare the startup ecosystem, India versus the West. What are the advantages or disadvantages according to you? So let me first talk about the advantages in India. I think the advantages in India right now is there is a massive consumer class which is only growing every year. Right. Uh, there is massive awareness about entrepreneurship mm -hmm. uh, which is very good because more and more youngsters are seeing it as a viable career option. Mm -hmm. uh, we are sitting on a massive war chest of funding mm -hmm. which VCs have still not deployed. Right. So, by some estimates, 20 to 25 billion dollars of funding is sitting, waiting to be deployed in India. Wow, 20 to 25 billion dollars, is it? So, that's a massive amount of funding which is still there, waiting to be deployed. Uh, waiting for the right ideas, right founders, huge opportunity. Fourth, amazingly proactive government. They are trying to sort logistics issues, GST, trying to move towards a more digital economy. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a lot of right steps. Uh, mm -hmm waiting to be fructified, but a lot of right early steps in increasing entrepreneurship. On the contrary, some people would say that it's very tough to do business in India. Uh, and that is the reason why you have such a strong private ecosystem in terms of mentors and angel investors that help young blood. So what I would say, Suparna, is uh, uh, every next year, every next month, every next week, it's becoming easier to do business in India. Okay. Uh, we have moved a long way from almost a dysfunctional economy five, six, seven years ago. Right. Uh, are we absolutely top-notch in the world? No. I would be very honest enough to admit that. Mm -hmm. Are we becoming better? Yes. Mm -hmm. And the problems are also opportunities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, today there are a lot of issues in India which you can solve. Mm -hmm. So, you can see it as a glass half full or half empty. Mm -hmm. So, Purva, if you were to define success, what would that be? Success for me is uh, finding a lot of peace within yourself mm -hmm. and creating harmony around you. Uh, a lot of people could be financially successful, right. but around them is a lot of disharmony. Right. Uh, there's a lot of conflict, people are not happy. Mm. I think it is very, very important that uh, we leave a meeting room, a company, uh, our investors mm. with a sense of well-being. Mm -hmm. Very, very important. Mm. Uh, and that sense of harmony for me personally is a... So the yardstick of when you're investing in a particular idea, would you also look at emotional fulfillment? Absolutely. I, I personally only invest in companies where I like hanging around with the founders, okay. where every time I meet them, I'm excited, right. I'm happy. Right. There is a cohesiveness in the team. Okay. Uh, and I think it goes a long way mm -hmm. because you will have tough times inevitably. Mm -hmm. And if there is a sense of harmony, uh, if you like each other, uh, if you can disagree without being disagreeable, mm. I think it goes a long way. So if you were to put it in bullet points, the five steps to success, what would that be? I would say they're just, uh, it, it's not even five for me, it's three things. Okay. Um, know what you want. Okay. Get working on it. Mm -hmm. And continue the journey. All right. 
know what you want, get your ass working on it and continue <laughs> the, the journey. journey. Excellent. So we're going to test you now on some of your startup jargon knowledge sure. because there's a lot of words floating around. Um, freemium, what does that mean to you? Freemium for me uh, is often a company which is still trying to figure out what the pricing model should be. Right. Uh, it's almost an oxymoron. Hmm. It's like saying, uh, I will offer it mostly free to people right. and uh, use that time hmm. and use those metrics to buy more time from my VCs and investors Achha. while I try to figure out what is the value which I'm offering <laughs> which I can charge for. Alright, okay. Um, what about burn rate? Burn rate is a, a great metric and uh, we've always had it. It's just become more fashionable to talk about it now. Okay. Uh, burn rate is nothing but the OPEX and the CAPEX which you are incurring in a year. Mm -hmm. So it's nothing new mm -hmm. and uh, I think it's very important to track because uh, it gives you a sense of uh, are you overspending to earn. And bleeding edge? Bleeding edge and disruption are uh, two of the most overhyped words. Pretentious, which you hear. sir. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, because bleeding edge basically means that you don't know enough. <laughs> are you pretending to know all? You're sitting in your room or you're sitting in a Starbucks and you think you have this cool product right. and you don't know what is a kid, 16 year old kid doing in Russia. Right. right? Uh, bleeding edges, <laughs> you're going to be bleeding very soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I'd also want to know your perspective on, uh, we spoke about this risk, motivation, vulnerability. So what, do you think these are certain qualities and mindsets that a startup or an entrepreneur must possess? So I would say yes, but I would caveat it with saying occasionally. Okay. Because often uh, you might not be sure, you might not have all answers, but often you have to show a lot of confidence to your team. Sure. Uh, because people are at varying degrees of maturity, mm -hmm. uh, both emotional, and managerial right and uh, if you're always vulnerable and always exposing your doubts to them sure they might not have the maturity to absorb it excellent yes but selectively yes i think showing vulnerability inspires confidence mm -hmm. and it also gets you very good support mm -hmm. but showing it all the time i think doesn't work it is right absolutely okay if i were to ask you who your mentor has been who would that be so i've had many mentors uh, my grandfather was my earliest mentor. Uh, he was a many times a member of legislative assembly from Bihar. Mm -hmm. uh, he went to Bihar with uh, almost one rupee in his pocket. Mm -hmm. uh, he was an adopted child mm -hmm. and uh, he cycled all the way from Rajasthan to Bihar. Wow. And uh, with one rupee in his pocket. Rajasthan to Bihar? Yeah. Wow. Because Rajasthan that time had nothing. Mm. There were famines, there was no business. Mm. And when he got there, he taught himself, he worked, he raised capital uh, and he always told me, I started with nothing and today if I lose anything, even when he was 70, 73, he said, today if I lose anything and I lose everything, I still have the gumption to start again. Wow, amazing. How awesome is that? Yeah. What a wonderful role model you've absolutely, had and absolutely. it's personally influenced you. Absolutely. Tell me about your failures. So, I think I fail almost every day. Mm -hmm. On a lighter note, I fail with managing my weight. 
<laughs> I think I should be fit and take out more time to run. I'm glad that you're mentioning and you're so candid about this because a lot of time people are a little wary about sharing their personal stories as far as failures are concerned. But I think it's so extremely important for people to understand that yeah. the kind of failures that have actually led to the final success that people see. I completely understand. Uh, see, there is this whole fear of people being vulnerable. Exactly. Sharing failures is a huge sign of vulnerability. Sure. And the way I look at it is, it's happened or it's happening. Uh, sharing it doesn't make it lesser or bigger. It's, I'm pretty matter of fact about it. Mm. I think whenever you see a failure, you should quickly move ahead. You should see what can you learn? What can you take away? Mm. And Japanese have a beautiful concept. So what they do is if there is a flower vase and it breaks, mm. they don't discard it. Right. They fill it with gold. They fill it with gold. They yeah. attach it again yeah. and they treasure it. Correct. Yeah. I think all human beings should look at life like that. Right. So if you were to share one anecdote as far as failure is concerned, what would that be? That has actually kind of changed your thinking maybe or set you on a different path. I think I was one of the earliest investors. Achha. So I started investing in startups straight out of business school. Right. Wow. I always felt that uh, the people who invest in stock markets and who are retail investors, you really don't control those companies. You can do nothing to influence the fate of those companies. Mm -hmm. And I was always puzzled and I thought, uh, yes, you're seeing a lot of returns, but it's almost like trading. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a game of chance. Mm -hmm. You don't know the founders. They're sitting in Mumbai, the CEOs. You will never meet them other than an annual AGM. Mm -hmm. The only strategic input you could give is maybe ask a question, write a letter, nobody looks at it. So you have made a lot of mistakes then? I felt uh, it is better to back founders mm -hmm. and I did a couple of investments uh, which uh, uh, I still don't wish I hadn't done because they taught me a lot. Wow. Okay. Uh, but uh, where the founding team wasn't right, the chemistry wasn't right, brilliant idea, uh, individually brilliant people, mm -hmm. uh, but together they didn't create a symphony mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, lost a fair amount of money. Okay. And. Uh, Gained a lot of learning. Lovely. How wonderful is that? <laughs> and your personal failure? So personal failure is, um, I wish I had more time to uh, learn music. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, That's and, nice. Yeah. I would love to, I'm a terrible singer, Achha. but I love music. Okay. So uh, I try my hand at smooth and other things, uh -huh. but I wish I had more time to sing, improve. How nice is that? Wonderful, inshallah. You shall Thank find you. time. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, if I were to ask you, uh, one advice that you would give to the younger Apoor when he was starting out right out of business school, yeah. what would that be? I would, I would say have more fun. Okay. Have more fun? Have more fun. You will achieve a lot. You will do a lot. Uh, and everything will come in due course. Okay. But make it a point to have a lot of fun. So the idea in whatever you're doing is to have fun, right? Have fun, find joy, that's and find what, it very early. That's what entrepreneurship is all about. Absolutely, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Okay. So five apps professionally you feel are imperative for you to use on a daily basis. I use Slack a lot. Oh, okay. So a lot of my collaboration working happens on Slack, which I think it's a phenomenal app. That cuts a lot of Slack. Absolutely. It cuts a lot of Slack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I use a lot of Google apps. Okay. So Google Trips, because it just picks up tickets from your email, creates an itinerary, uh, uh, Google Analytics, AdWords. So the whole Google suite, I would count it as one. Uh, the third would actually be uh, a visiting card scanner. Okay. 
because I travel a lot, I meet people, I meet VCs, entrepreneurs, and it's very quick. You can just scan the visiting card, it updates your contact database. The fourth I use a lot is uh, Zoho CRM okay. and Zoho Books. Okay. Uh, most of the funds which I invest in, I encourage them to move, move to an online book system okay. and an online CRM system okay. because I can just log in and see their health of the company, health of funnel. Zoho profit. CRM. And Zoho Books. And Zoho Books, yeah. okay. And not a plug from any of these companies, <laughs> but I just find them very useful. So any particular book that has inspired you, you're reading or would like to recommend? So I read a lot. One of the latest books which I'm reading, and I must say I haven't completely completed it, it's a very thick book, is Tools of Titans Tools by of Titan, Tim yeah. Ferriss. Tim Ferriss, of course. And what I like about what Tim has done is he's interviewed super successful people. Correct. Uh, he's interviewed people uh, not only from a high level, 30,000 feet level, right. but he's asked them things like, what do you do when you get up? Right. What is that one habit which you have which really gets you ahead? Right. Uh, fantastic book. I would strongly recommend it. So what is that one habit of yours that gets you gets you by through a lot of tough situations? I think I start my day very early. Very early? Very okay. early. I usually start it at uh, 5, 5.30 a.m. Mm -hmm. And I get a lot of time before the din of the day starts. Okay. Before my family gets up, before my team gets up. And uh, it's a time which allows you to introspect. Uh, I go for a walk. I listen to music. And it just makes me feel that bring the day on. Mm. Anything is possible. The importance of support system, especially when you're starting out uh, in choosing the right kind of partner as far as, you know, entrepreneurs are concerned. What would you want to say about that? I would say don't even try to be an entrepreneur if you don't have a good support system. Mm. It's a very unforgiving, hard journey. Correct. And uh, there is a lot of romanticism you will see in the journey. Mm. Media celebrating it, people talking about it. Mm failure resumes, but it is a hard journey. Right. So right. you need a very solid support system, either amongst friends or family or your spouse or mm. girlfriend. Mm. Uh, you also need a good support system inside your company. Right. So if you're a founder, it's good to have at least one or two other co-founders mm. with complementary skills. Mm. Uh, there are times where you'll be low and they would be high. Right. Uh, there are times where you will have a terrible idea and they will check you in. Sure. There are times you will have a fantastic idea, but you will not have the skill to execute it. Right. And you will need a complementary skill. Right. And you need friends to have fun around with. And sure. your co-founders could be your best friends. Yeah. What I sense from uh, speaking to Apurva Chamaria in 2017 is that you need to catch up on a lot of fun and start picking up a musical instrument, letting your hair down. I think you've, uh, you've worked hard enough, I guess. Thank you. And uh, I think... Uh, I wish everybody who is listening to this show a fantastic uh, year ahead. Close the year on a high. 2018 awaits and wish you guys all the best. Thank you, Purva. Thank you, Suparna.